We've been about this work, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, shared through the voices of a white woman and a black man. We bring lived experiences. We have pursued DNI progress for most of our professional lives. We use Crazy and the King to cover news, tips from colleagues, and host incredible guests. Listeners, count on Julie and I to transparently drive the conversation. We thank you for rocking with us. Check it. Julie, kick off the show. Welcome to Crazy and the King. I'm back. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, we're going to have a conversation around uh, HR tech today, but before we do that, um, who knows what is going on at this particular time of the year? I'm wondering, you know, when you think about 2022 right now, like where we are right now, how are you feeling? And, and real quick, just before you say, before you do that, like, don't necessarily think of any particular event or events. Don't necessarily think about where you are sitting. Just how are you feeling right now? Right now, I feel really good. It's been a great year so far for us. It's been a great year for the team at Disability Solutions. Um Obviously, we have some angst in the world that we're going to see that always sits on my brain. But overall, good, good, good. How about you, my friend? I feel wonderful. I um, And part of the reason why I feel wonderful is because I have even more control over my calendar and how I am able to move throughout my days, my weeks, my months. And, and it's been that journey that I've been on for the last two years. Uh, it really started in 2020, where I I'm sorry. Uh, it started in 2021 where I implemented using um, Calendly. Uh, and I really wanted to use one called Undock, but that's a whole nother conversation. Undock wasn't ready for uh, Apple products, Mac products. But by, by putting the calendar in place, it, it just gave me a sense of relief and flexibility in 2021. And now I've taken it up a notch and kind of got a little color coordinated and put some more funky time slots in, you know, 12 minutes here, 15 minutes there. And I'm telling you, it makes me feel so much better and so much more productive. So when you ask me how I'm feeling in 2022, I'm feeling really, really encouraged. And encouraged is important because the work that we are doing, it's exhausting. It is. It is. And we had to remember to take the victories. I, I, We've seen each other through a lot of hard times over the past uh, four years, and it's nice to feel encouraged right now. Cool. So I started with a question around you. Now, how do you feel when you, I, when you hear the, the, the phrase HR tech? Oh, God. Um, I, I, I knew feel, that was going to come. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I absolutely knew you were going to have some degree of reservation around that. That's cool. Yeah. I mean... I think that HR tech is the most important tech potentially to in, to be a part of someone's life outside of, of their health. And the reason that is, is because HR tech is what gets a human to a place where they can achieve their dreams. They can do the things that they want to do. They can provide with their family. They can go on that trip. They can do those things. Or cannot do those things, right? It it is such a powerful 
um, vehicle that we have in our hands and that we control as leaders every single day. And what I think is amazing about HR tech is also very scary about HR tech because there is so much opportunity for good and there's so much opportunity for bad um, in this space. And it's really critically important that we are constantly having conversations with leaders who are not just HR tech implementers, but who are HR tech vendors and leaders within those organizations so that they're building products and solutions that not just meet their professional and their buyer's needs, but also meet the human need of transformation into a role, into a career, and that they never, ever forget how important every click of that button that that gets made, whether it's a recruiter, a job seeker, a data analyst is um, when we're thinking about changing someone's life. Yeah. And you know, you said something, transformation. You said another click, click, click. You connected that to the people. And when I think HR tech, I uh, I lean on a familiar phrase and some might call me a dinosaur for, for saying this, but the phrase that I often uh, echo when I hear HR tech is people do the best job of hiring people. That doesn't discount the efficiency, the efficacy. It doesn't minimize the presence of HR tech, but I always say people do the best job of hiring people. Trying to make sure that the people using the technology are present enough with it where they are able to say, well, wow, you know what? This really is adding some efficiency to our process. It really is standardizing and making it better, mitigating some of the bias that may be there. It it does something for us in terms of reach that we may not be able to do ourselves, but that I am not excluding or uh, exiting my presence in the process. People do the best job of hiring people. I, I put in Google when we were preparing for this uh, episode. I put in HR tech. All I put in was HR tech, diversity, and inclusion. So, you know, I'm smiling, Jay. I said, uh, I know we're going to get back a whole bunch of vendors or advertisements. Nope. I actually got back probably a third of the way down the screen, first page, were a number of academic research articles. So I said, well, let me click on this. Let me see what these academic research articles have to do with HR tech, diversity, and inclusion. So I clicked on a couple titles like uh, big data analytics in human resource management, semicolon, automated automated decision-making processes, predictive hiring algorithms, and cutting edge workplace surveillance. Hold on. Um, (laughs) The second one was mental health and gender stress gender third article that i saw was a sociological study of hr professionals discourses in regards to the digital transformation of human resources practices now here's where i throw the popcorn jay that's the reason why people struggle with academic you know understanding and bringing that into the consideration I don't think the the headlines or the headers of any of those articles really speak to HR tech diversity and inclusion. Uh, maybe I missed something. Yeah. One of the very first things my amazing husband taught me was to stop talking like an academic 
and start talking like a human uh, when I was trying to engage people to change the world because all of the big fancy words don't mean anything to anyone when it's really about how do I get my job done? How do I make difference? How do I make change? You got to keep it simple. And listen, if you are an academician, trust me, we love having you in the space as well. We need that brainiac. We need that brain power. We need all of that research. We need it all. I'm just saying, can you like come up with some headers that might actually help us understand HR tech, diversity and inclusion? But speaking of understanding, there are some ways that HR tech plays in support of our internal efforts. And, and I think that a couple of them, Julie, are recruiting, of course, uh, performance management. HR tech can absolutely help and impact learning and development. Am I missing some ways that HR tech can play in that ecosystem? I mean, when I'm thinking about one of the biggest challenges I'm seeing right now with companies that we work with and within our organization is internal mobility. And I know that probably fits under development, but I think yeah. it really deserves a call out in the ways that we can unite um, mentors and mentees, projects and skills and all of those things to allow companies to smartly and purposefully start thinking about how to advance their internal talent and grow their internal talent instead of um, constantly going back to the to the talent acquisition well for more bodies and, and more bodies in the seats. Love that. So um, internal mobility, it really is a it's a powerful play. And and I like the fact that 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 phrase has been given more of a green light over the last 12, 18 months when it really should have always been given a green light. But what that says is we are always in a point or a position of evolution and, and that when we are tackling diversity and inclusion, we were, when we are tackling the development of new technologies, that we, we, can't, we just can't hit all of it at the same time. Like it really does have to spin around the sun, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one great stat from our friends over at Red, he Red Thread Research was that in 2021 um, report on DEIB tools, they noted that the total number of DEIB tech vendors increased by 87% with a total of 196 vendors in the market for 2021 compared to 120 or 105, excuse me, in 2019. Yeah, that was red thread, but I couldn't find one statistic that talked about performative HR tech. So why don't we uh, go to a quick commercial break and then let's bring in this week's guest, uh, because I know that he, he being Anoop Gupta, has something to contribute to this conversation. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. All right. Welcome back. So we invited Anoop on this episode of Crazy in the King because it seems to us, based on our conversations over the last two, three, four years, um, that the imperative to redesign business and talent acquisition is now greater than ever, right? You and I talk about all the time that businesses have to take full advantage of new tech um, to adjust and widen their corporate purpose in a way that allows them to 
not just meet shareholder value, but also address social inequities that matter to their employees that they need to keep, retain, and grow. And I think Anoop probably shares with us in that position around being more whole as we look at the employee and not just centered on the, let's say, the uh, shareholder value. But I don't want to speak for him. So let's keep going and then we'll get him in the conversation. I'm also going to ask him for a loan. We'll just pretend like he can't hear that part uh, about the work being done over at SeekOut. valuation um, and the round is very validating and it also you know creates some expectations for your growth and your market it sounds like you, you know you've you you've already had a strategy in place that 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 extends beyond you know sourcing uh, just external yeah. sourcing so yeah no, we, we grew our people our headcount grew three times 3x this last year and we expect uh, to you know, have a very strong growth trajectory in the coming year, and the valuation helps actually. Even in, you know, there's some more risk-averse people, and so being a unicorn status gives them comfort and attraction to come and join us. Uh, so we will be upping our talent at all levels in all functions. In case you hadn't heard, this Bellevue-based unicorn raised $115 million in their Series C back in January of this year, putting its valuation at over $1.2 billion. Now, I'm assuming where we are in the year, that valuation has probably gone up a little bit. Uh, so let's talk to Anoop uh, a bit about the recent raise and what's happening over at SeekOut. Welcome to Crazy and the King. Anoop, how are you? I am doing well. Hello, Julie and Torin. It is exciting to be part of this podcast. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So I said it. You raised. Um, well, let's just. I, I, I'm. I'm assuming you've raised somewhere uh, north of three hundred million dollars over the last four uh, years or so. Give us your own introduction. You are smart, capable. I want people that don't know who you are to understand a bit about your journey before SeekOut and, and how you landed in the SeekOut sandbox of diversity and inclusion. Uh, thank you, Torin. Uh, you know, I'm going to say some things, and uh, I think it was intentional. You took some digs at me. <laughs> so I came to this country in 1980 uh, after my undergrad in India. I went to Carnegie Mellon and got a PhD in computer science. Subsequently, I was a professor at Stanford, uh, and so kind of those academics, were, but I'll sort of atone for my sins in some way. And uh, so I did my first startup in the streaming media business in 1995, when there were still 56K modems that got acquired by Microsoft in 1997. And I spent 18 years there. I had the extreme privilege of directly reporting to Bill Gates for two years, uh, spending three, four hours a day with him, 
doing a lot of pre-reading. When he went away for the week to think about ThinkWeek, I ran the Skype and exchange businesses, education business, emerging market business. So that was my transformation from just being an academic to <laughs> uh, being an entrepreneur. And then we quit because I said, you know, Microsoft was a great blessing for me. But I said, Microsoft does innovation. They give you an 18-wheeler and say, you know, go around and find a whole big islands. And we wanted to be on a mountain bike and go down the trails and find interesting small things that may not be of interest to a large company. And here we are at Seacout now. Uh, so, so let me pause there and I'll talk more about Seacout and the fundamentals. Absolutely. And I, I, because I don't, I want to back up for, but I want to put it in reverse for a second. I heard a couple of things. Number one, I never knew that you were a professor. Number two, I never knew that you worked in the streaming space. And so let's just stay there for a moment. You know, not, not a long time, but how did you, how did you make those determinations? You went through all of that education. What said, Let's go in the direction of being an academic and then this crazy zigzag over to the streaming world because the streaming world of Microsoft, I can I can understand that one. But that's those are two very different paths to be on. So one is uh, touring a tradition at Stanford where professors create companies. You know, it is not an academic in a traditional sense. A lot of the you know, big startups like, you know, VMware. It was created by a fellow professor, Mendel Rosenblum, and his wife, Diane Green. Uh, in fact, Diane Green was a co-founder with me for my first startup. <laughs> it's only after that she went and did VMware. So it's pretty, uh, you know, it didn't take much of a gap. I talked to my boss at that time, John Hennessy, who was subsequently the president of Stanford and said, oh, you know, should I do a startup? Here's a great thing uh, that we're trying to do. And he said, of course you should go and do a startup because, you know, two possibilities. It's going to succeed and you're going to learn a lot or it's going to fail and you're going to learn a lot and you got a job back at Stanford, right? So, there is just this culture of trying, experimenting, and my whole life actually rarely has been a journey of a crazy opportunity showing up and jumping in with both feet, not looking back, and, uh, you know, seeing where it takes you. And, of course, you know, I had the privilege to be able to take those risks. Not everybody has always has those choices, you know, or the chances, but I, I feel really blessed and grateful that uh, I could make those decisions and move forward. So tell us then on this fantastic journey, now you've landed here in this D&I space. How did that become important to you and how did it become important to seek out? So fundamentally, you know, when we got into the, so firstly, it's always been important. You know, my sister used to be a CEO and our whole family. Otherwise we have believed and just my experiences you know, my fellow professor was uh, 
gentleman named Kunli Olakutan, you know, from Nigeria, black gentleman. He was done amazingly well. So, you know, just the fundamental thing, one was inside you where you said people just need the opportunity and all of us can do amazing things. And when we are a diverse group, okay, and diversity in gender, ethnicity, but fundamental diversity in ideas, life experiences, uh, you, you know, then that diversity brings new ideas, crazy new ways to think about it. And that lets you create something of more value because the people we are reaching out to are that diverse population. So well, one is that core thing inside. Secondly, when we got into the town place, you know, there's a lot of talk about it, but you say, how do you take those good intentions and translate them into actions and results? We felt there was just a huge gap. And then we say, how can we put on our pointy hats and, you know, <laughs> and, and what can we do about it? So that's where, you know, D and I, and then we ran into data and form, how can data help? And, and, and back to one of the things you guys talked about, right? So you don't want machines making the decisions for you, AI making the decisions for you. There are lots of problems with that. Okay, so so my PhD was around artificial intelligence, things like that, but there's AI and what I call IA. IA is intelligent assistance, right? Data and tools can help us, you know, us as humans make better decisions. So, for example, you know, there are various ways you can measure inclusion. One measure might be, um, you know, I do a survey or something like that. But the other could be, you know, here is a vice president. They hire 20 black people in their team and 25 left. Okay. Maybe there is an inclusion problem. Okay. It's a revolving door. So data's value comes not just in decisions. Data's value comes in asking great questions. So humanity, you know, if you ask about a great CEO leader, it's not that they know anything, but oh, blah, but they're good at asking questions. And I believe data can help you ask good questions. And then, of course, as humans, we need to dig in and say, uh, you know, what is the root cause? AI is not going to give you the cause. Then you're going to go and find out and improve the situation and make a difference. You know, I love that. And you are so absolutely right. Um, say the uh, acronym, the IA acronym again. It stands for what again? Intelligent Assistant. Intelligent Assistant. All right. Got it. Yeah. So when we think about, you know, the buzzword of DEIB or yeah. DNI or yeah. I've heard uh, inclusion, access, equity, uh, and diversity. I've heard yeah. so many different uh, variations of that. And I'm cool with all of them because I know that the people saying them mean well, and they are pointed to the same direction that I'm pointed. We want to just see progress. When we think about the acronyms in whatever form, um, in your opinion, and it's just your opinion, but in your opinion, Anu, how serious are HR tech vendors 
when they talk about their DNI solution? Are, are they serious? Are they investing in it? Or are you seeing, feeling, hearing that for a lot of them, they're being opportunistic, they're being ambulance chasers, slapping band-aids and ad hoc solutions on some other part of their product or service suite? If I am honest, I we think- need you to be. I need only reason why you're here. Need you to be. Need you to be. So take a deep breath. You know, just breathe, relax. You'll be okay. I promise you. We will resuscitate you if you need resuscitation. But I need you to be honest. Talk to us. You know, it is a buzzword. It is a marketing thing. Whether I am. Uh, there is a lot of marketing going on. And Julie talked about, you know, there were 192 vendors and suddenly, you know, 80% increase on that. That means there are, you know, 250, 300 vendors. Um, the amount of true work that is happening is not... So, so there are two things. One is are people doing? The second is the quality of work, right? Uh, uh, that is happening. Uh, often is simply not there, you know, and what is effective is often not there. So it is really, uh, and and the thing that I feel bad about in some sense on that is, you know, of course, people are doing their best and some will do more, is it makes it really confusing for the decision makers because once it becomes so much noise then you can't decide right it slows down your decision making you say too many things i'm going to just step away and not do anything because i don't have the time to sift through all of that noise to extract that gem so you know, one of the beauties in these kinds of podcasts, etc., can be if you can help the audience really, you know, sort through the noise. All of us look for it. And that, that is not just true for DEI. That is true for, you know, the buzzword AI is used by. Is there a company that doesn't use AI? No, there doesn't exist a company that doesn't use AI. So, you know, we might as well not talk about it and talk about what it really does for people. I think that's, I mean, it's such a good point. You know, I have this like sort of love hate relationship with where we are right now from a a vendor perspective. It's, you know, from seven, eight years ago when I started going to TA tech and and into all the TA shows um, and meeting vendors. And I'm like, Hey, how are people with disabilities integrated into your solution? How have you tested and validated for talent with disabilities on your assessments? How have you done this? How have you done that? Is it accessible? And like literally getting that either blank look of like, lady, I have no idea what you're talking about or B, just go away to this place now where we're having um, at least some vendors understanding the importance of being inclusive in their product development. Now, I think where we have to get still is more to where you're talking about Anoop is where the ones who are just slapping a label on it to make a couple bucks, those guys get weeded out. And then people who, and and tech that is really integrated and passionate about solving for problems 
and not just making the dollars, those survive and they thrive and they grow. And that's where we see change. Um, and, and so like, tell us about seek out, um, you know, kind of, I know it's AI recruiting. I, I went ahead and used the word, um, <laughs> you know, tell us about what you're seeing in the data right now with, you know, job seeker data, demographic data that you can share that's really, you know, aggregated to help our listeners, A, understand what SeekOut does and how it might support some of their diversity efforts, um, but also what are some surprising trends you're seeing in the world right now? Yeah. So basically, you know, as I said, data can inform people when it comes to companies and what they are doing with diversity. Uh, oftentimes, you know, they are flying blind with that. So let me actually go and if you'll give me the opportunity, give it more holistic. So one is there's no simple, you know, single silver bullet that people and, you know, Torin has educated me a lot in terms of, you know, what people do and the commitment and the continuous, you know, work and the hard work that needs to be done. So let's not, you know, forget about that. The second thing is, you know, what you do in terms of hiring is one part of it, and then what you do with the internal employees. So, you know, the internal mobility part of it uh, becomes very, very important, too. You know, do you have a black solution architect in Washington, D.C. with security clearance who can lead your $10 billion Jedi effort at Microsoft? How do you find and how quickly do you find that? is important right to understand so here is how we operate you know we are a uh uh you know data-driven talent recruitment platform that focuses on how to find and diverse talent so how do we help right so people don't come and you know because we are a general they don't raise their hand and say i'm black i'm hispanic i'm veteran i'm a, I'm a female you, you know all of that but we use our academics and ai and skills in some sense to do, do the best job of inferencing okay because i may know about my company but i don't know about the other companies and i don't know in atlanta what percentage of the people data scientists, black data scientists are available there or where I should go looking. And we use fairly sophisticated algorithms. And what AI and data science means is I can look at HBCUs, I can look at African-American sororities, I can look at membership in organizations and their tens and hundreds of organizations. I know, you know, what are likely uh, you know, African-American names or women names, you know, Joy, for example, in India is a man's name and Joy in India, in the U.S. and the Western world is a female. So we understand from the aggregate what is there. So firstly, when a company goes and says, you know, how do they set targets? Our data can inform what are realistic targets to set, because if you set unreasonable things, you'll be disappointed. The second thing we tell companies is, um, you know, when you're writing a job description and you see lots of articles which say job descriptions are kitchen sinks. The more you add to that, you add a lot of unnecessary things. So the question is, how do you have conversations with the hiring managers to say, let's get rid of that. This is how we widen the aperture. This is where how we bring in diverse people. 
we help drive CCOG with its data and its analytics helps drive these data-driven conversations with the hiring managers, with the leadership, so that you can have better job descriptions that bring in more candidates. Okay. Then you say, how do I source? So if I'm looking for, you know, digital marketing managers and I say, you know, where are the women? Where are the black people? Where are the Hispanics? Where are the veterans? Are there some amazing veterans out there, you know, who can go and do that? We make it super easy for you to find those people. And then we also make it easy to, you know, reduce bias. So I never talk about eliminating bias or something like that. You know, and, and again, Torin has educated me on some of the very hard parts about that. But, you know, we know that if we look at pictures, if we look, we know the gender, we know certain things, you know, a lot of terrible things happen. So we can enable it, uh, you know, to hide those pieces of information. We know if diverse slates are submitted for every role and there's not just one token diversity, <laughs> you know, underrepresented minority, but you have multiple people, their Harvard studies will tell you you do better. In fact, I was just getting, as I was driving to work, getting on a call with one of the major, you know, vendors of who provide transportation and they said they are requiring that to happen. So that is one dimension of, uh, uh, you know, that we do. Then we also help in the talent analytics once you get into the funnel. If you had 50 women and 50 men apply, then, you know, did only 10 women get called for an interview and 20 men and how many got hired? And again, the part of that data and how is it different for engineering and sales and marketing and the part of this data-informed approach that we really want companies to be able to take is to ask good questions. You know, if that happened, it's not about, you know, something you're saying, hey, you're bad or good. It is you ask a question, is this something in our interview process? Is it something in how we're writing the description? Is it something, you know, that is in people's head? Similarly, when you go inside a company, right, so a large company, you can take all the vice presidents and you can say how many joined and how many left, right, off under how women. And that can give you a signal on what inclusion looks like. Why are people leaving? It can ask you, allow you to ask good questions and not only find them. So that is where the power of data and what Seekout is doing really helps. And that is how Seekout can help the companies and, you know, some of the biggest companies in the world are leveraging us in that way uh, to help the diversity. And, you know, before Julie jumps in, I just want to just really echo and put a stamp on that. Like if we could, uh, through a podcast technology, if we could just highlight and amplify what you just said for our listeners, I really want you to hit replay and rewind and think about how Anoop methodically described how Seekout is playing in the space. He didn't give a marketing slick, a one pager. He talked about it from a human perspective, basic blocking and tackling means that it's being built into hopefully the way that the organization is showing up in the marketplace, Jay? Yeah, I mean, there's two really interesting things that stood out to me in your description. Um, 
One is going to be the hard one. So I'm going to give you both at the same time. But the first one is I didn't hear in any of those underrepresented groups, you say people with disabilities once. So I want to lay that as a challenge on the table. Um, and the other piece, though, that I think is really, really compelling, a, a story came out earlier this year that um, Black Americans, Hispanic Americans were drastically undercounted in the 2020 census by the tune of probably nearly 20 million people, which I think a lot of us expected. And so when we're thinking about how federal contractors, which are the majority of the employers in the United States, are figuring out utilization data, how many um, you know, Black employees at this level do I need to have to make sure that it is reflective of the community in which I'm hiring? We know now that those, those data points for the next 10 years are going to be dramatically undercounting black and brown talent um, uh, that's available in our communities. Is there an opportunity, I guess, for companies that are using SeekOut to have your data that's more up to date? And how often is that data refreshed? Because I'm thinking about all of the the totality of the aggregate of public data that you can pull from to get into those analytics, it's surely going to be fresher than data that is collected by the U.S. government and, and subsequently undercounted um, every 10 years? Yeah, now great questions, Julie. So let me take the first one on the disability side. You know, we totally understand how important it is the, and that it needs to be addressed and the value they, they bring. And if you give the right opportunities, the dedication when they come and make a difference, right? The challenge is um, how people want to disclose their disability, right? CCOW doesn't want to be the one saying you have this disability or not. We can help you. You know, if you declare it, we can help you find it or, you know, it's in some. Oh, come on now. I'm going to I've got to call you here on this one for just a second, because you can figure out by people's names, where they went to college, the stuff they're posting on Facebook, what they're putting on their Instagram, where they all of these things about them. If like you're a really smart guy. And I just know that if someone could figure this out, it would be a really smart guy like you that could take what we have available in the world and help us better figure out in aggregate what our community actually looks like to get to better representation numbers. Not not me as an individual, I get that, but in aggregate, I feel like you could get there. (laughs) So there's something, you know, there's a good point about aggregate and we can do, okay? But I'm saying is it is a very personal information. When you say find me, um, you know, such a candidate, and that is where we have shied away. And you know, the same for LGBTQ. We have things where if you have self-declared, we can find you. You know, um, uh, people who are allies uh, in many of those cases, and we can do all of that. But we shy away from saying, you know, hey, point to you, and <laughs> very likely LGBTQ. Uh, on that side of it. The second thing you were saying is, you know, firstly, again, I want to back up and say, you know, nobody should look at Seek Out and we don't claim to be solving all of the world's problems. And there are a lot of good things to be done. But that said, you know, when you say the census is um, not counting, 
what we do is, um, you know, we are focused on professionals in some sense. So we are not focused on all workers. So if somebody is looking at data scientists and what's the population of data scientists and what this, our data will be updated all the time. Our data is not reliant on what it looks like. <laughs> as, as people retrain themselves, build themselves, you know, we are there uh, for the companies to look at populations, availability, and what can be done. Very, love very that. interesting. Love that, love that, love that. So, you know, so many leaders right now are asking the question, what comes next, Anoop? And while we could talk for another 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, we'll leave it right there for now. I appreciate how you've responded. You navigated in the conversation in a very authentic, honest, genuine way. What do you want to leave the audience with in this particular episode? We genuinely believe, you know, it is uh, this thing that the growth of people and organizations are deeply intertwined. Okay. And helping companies, you know, understand the people better so people can dream bigger, perform better, you know, grow together is a fundamental mission of ours. We want, you know, to be a company that uh, uses technology to ensure that talent and companies are aligned and empowering them to grow together. And more co concretely, you know, we will use technology to deliver solutions. Our promise to you is to want you to thrive by hiring, retaining, developing great and diverse talent. So, you know, that is our promise to you. Rely on us. We will like to do it. Those are your missions. You know, please talk to us. Anup Gupta, founder of Seekout. Quick commercial. We'll be right back. We'd never admit it, but deep down, we all get at least some pleasure from bad things happening to somebody we don't like. History's full of stories about bitter enemies being mutually horrible. Usually nothing good comes of it. But sometimes, sometimes, you get soul singers James Brown and Joe Tex, or 17th century nun Sor Juana and the entire Catholic Church duking it out and dramatically changing our world. On Beef with Bridget Todd, we tell the stories of those petty feuds behind some of the greatest art, innovation, and global events. Listen to Beef wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so in our Her Boy segment this week, this is, of course, where we amplify women who have made moves and we're doing it a bit differently this time as well. We are going to challenge each of you to be a bit more proactive versus reactive. So Jay, if you'll give me the liberty, I'm just gonna run through these three real quick. Is that all right? Yes. All right, awesome. So this week, what we wanna do in our Her Voice segment, we want you to think about a dream team. You as a listener, we want you to think about your female, your women, incredible Shiro, dream team three women that you want to collaborate with or work with this year three women 
We want you to connect with them, send them a gift card, maybe for coffee, perhaps a lunch, and see if you can, or maybe even donate to an interest of their, their liking, a, a nonprofit, a cause that they support. But I want you to reach out to them and do something for them, not just reach out. Three women, do something for them, and then I want you to connect with them for a 15 minute conversation, and I want you to ask them a question. What's of interest to you right now, and how can I help you? Three women, do something for them, then reach out to them, ask them what's of interest, what's pressing, what's top of mind for them, and how you can help them. That's what we'd like to see you do this week in our Her Voice segment. Oh, great show today. So excited to get to have that conversation with Anoop and hear his journey of a professor into entrepreneurship who was encouraged by a great employer to take that route. And, um, you know, just happy to have his thoughts and probably going to ask him back so we can talk more about that loan for Crazy and the King on another episode. Yes, indeed. I close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe to find your voice. I want us to work extremely hard at being a better human, building better cultures, building better business units, departments and teams, and make sure that we are solidifying something favorable in our workplaces. For now, Jay and I are Ghost. See ya. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.